Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We're estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven people who are killing it in life. They deserve to be celebrated, and on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you. Yeah, and in between our interview episodes, we'll have Beauty School, where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be chatting about beauty, life, weird shit about being in your 30s, and learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different. Also, we're a lot of fun and we have a super multicultural community and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk about all things beauty under one black and Jewish roof? Plus, we'll be answering listener questions, so be sure to write us at truebeautybrokenpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, let's jump into the show. Oh, hey guys. Hey. Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. Welcome. <laughs> it's Elizabeth and Alex. And today we are talking with Kimmy Singh. She is an intuitive eating and weight inclusive nutritionist. And she's really awesome. She's presented at various national and regional conferences on the harmful effects of weight stigma in healthcare, which has become very important to me. Totally. And also, she educates people on eating disorder treatment and food insecurity and eating disorder recovery and weight inclusivity in dietetics training. Because as we've learned from her and from past guests like Alyssa and Erica, is that to us, this, to me at least, this has kind of become the norm because I follow these nutritionists who are fat positive, weight inclusive. It's actually not the norm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I think most nutritionists are still learning, I guess, whatever the traditional dietetics courses are, which, you know, you know, and you go to a nutritionist to lose weight, honestly, not to heal your relationship with food. Well, which they're trying to change that. It's crazy because, Alex, you and I live in this – you just said it perfectly, and I'm sorry I got so excited it tried to cut you off. But we live in this world, that, as you said, where we see these things, constant fat positivity, body uh, acceptance, body inclusivity. And somebody said to me the other day, they're like, you know what? I'm getting really fucking sick of this skinny positive Instagram. And I was like, what? Like, yeah. You, you don't know you don't see all of these like thin positive Instagram that's just like the backlash from the pandemic of like be- – and of course, you know – as RBG once said, the pendulum of change always swings both ways. And so we've been seeing this uptick in body positivity. And now, of course, the pendulum swinging back the other way. We're seeing an uptick in, you know, don't be yourself. Be stick thin. Let's go back to the old ways, guys. So, you know, at first I thought that this was like a conversation that we've hit over the head. But now that I see what else is out there beyond my, my little explore page? It's like, nope, turns out we got to keep 
keep shoving this down your throats to love yourself and that your body is great the way it is and that cultures are different and totally yeah we talk a lot with Kimmy she is Indian yeah and so we talked a little bit about growing up in an Indian household and what that means for your self-image yeah your self-image totally the cool thing about Kimmy too is that before she even went to school to be a nutritionist she already knew what her goals were Mm -hmm. which were to be inclusive of all different kinds of people all different and and not having her practice surround losing weight Mm -hmm. which i thought was interesting because the other nutritionists we have on it's something they kind of learned as they went Mm -hmm. they were like "Mm, something about this doesn't feel right right so i love that she went into it just being like and i'm gonna change the game and had to find mentors also to help her through her her own shit like had to find the right people that showed her the path that was better for her because they were people of color because they were within different cultures besides the you know, traditional white culture that tends to, in nutrition and dietetics that we've seen that tends to just kind of stress this one way of being, she found a group of mentors and supporters that understood her struggle because they were from different cultures. And just how important that is with when dealing with things like this is that it's so, you know, before speaking with all of these people, I really believed like, you know what, we're all the same and it's fine. We just need to love each other. And the truth of the matter is that We're all very, very fucking different, but that's okay. Just because we're different doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that we're different and there needs to be room for all of those differences. And like, I don't know, that's what, not that you guys asked, but that's what the show has been teaching me. And speaking with people like Kimmy has just thrown open those doors even more of just like, we're all different and it's okay that we're all different, but there's got to be room for it all. I love that. Thanks, guys. I guess we should also (laughs) mention in these episodes... That if talking about weight and food is triggering for you, maybe this isn't an episode for you. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like even talking about it in such a great way, can I'm sure can be triggering for people who have recovered from an eating disorder or are currently dealing with it. And it's been a lot this Um, this season, at the end, this quarter. We've we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Okay, we'll try to shut the fuck up about bodies next year. (laughs) Um, But I think this is just really important. And like you said, you felt like, oh, maybe we had talked about it too much, but I don't think so. I think also for some people, it may take listening a lot and reading a lot to realize that they need help yeah possibly totally so i guess on the other hand even if this is something you're dealing with maybe this episode will be great for you totally so that you can learn a little kind of figure out how you could help yourself yeah. yeah and that's it and that's it that's enough from us yeah now go listen to kimmy listen to kimmy Okay, so I'm Kimmy Singh, a fat and fat positive dietitian based in New York City. I love that. That is the greatest intro. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, are you from New York? Are you born and raised? Um, yeah, well, I'm originally from like, well, like originally from Queens, also lived upstate, also lived in North Carolina. So I don't really feel like I have a home. Like all three places sort of feel like home, but I also, yeah, sort of feel, sort of feel like I'm from everywhere in some ways. So I guess, well... I don't know where you want to start, but I'm curious as to how you got into this industry. What made you want to be a part of it? Yes. Oh, this is my favorite question. So I definitely was not planning on it. I was originally like, um, I did my undergrad in physics. I was planning on pursuing engineering. I sort of had this like life map of what I wanted to do that was very different. And I feel like everything sort of got thrown 
into the wind when I like was diagnosed with an eating disorder. And like, I, I knew I had a really tumultuous relationship with food, but it sort of faced, like forced me to face my own healing, face my own relationship with food and body. And it was at that point that I realized I really wanted to help folks in the way that my team helped me. And that's what I decided to make the shift to doing this work. And so I, I got involved in the eating disorder community. I went on and got my master's in nutrition. And yeah, so it was really through my own lived experience. And since then, it's been really cool work. That's awesome. If it's um not too much to ask you to relive your traumas, would you, I'm curious, like what your, what that looks like for you. Like we are sort of, we've been doing these body episodes. And so in terms of body, excuse me, in terms of eating disorders, like the wide scope is something that's very new to me. You know, growing up for me, it was like you would hear anorexia and bulimia and it was kind of like that was it. And it was also, I think, this one note of, oh, you just want to be skinny, so you just don't eat or you throw up what you eat. And now here at 35, there's just so much, so many layers to it, so many different types yeah, of so eating disorders, so much mental and emotional, exactly. And so, baggage that brings that on. Totally. And so that's what I mean. I'm sorry I'm asking you to relive your trauma, but I'm curious, like, what that looks like for you, like, where yeah. you were in your life and, like, I guess what that looks like, but then also maybe, yeah. like, how you Did you, you even know that to... that's what you were dealing with? Yeah. And then when oh, you decided to get better, like, take us also on the journey of, of recovery. I'd love to hear yeah. about that, too. Oh, gosh. So it's definitely not what I knew I was dealing with because I, I guess, like, I just thought of food as, okay, it's normal to go on diets and everybody, like, cuts down on what they're eating. And I didn't realize that it was, like, getting to this really unhealthy and dangerous place. And so it was, yeah, I definitely didn't think people that look like me, like people that are in larger bodies could have eating disorders. So it never crossed my mind. And I, but I also felt like my struggles in my relationship with food, it felt like it was something deeper. And I noticed it being connections, like it being connected to how I'm doing emotionally and all this other stuff. But I really just didn't, yeah, I didn't conceptualize it beyond how you described it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was, um, I remember like I, I saw a therapist when she diagnosed me. I both felt like confused and validated at the same time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was tough because I, I feel like one part of my healing was learning and that team, I think they were just like very like white and really into Eurocentric beauty standards. So it's, it, it was helpful and it also wasn't everything I needed. Mm -hmm. And so it was when I had a more inclusive team that explained like how the yeah eating disorder profession is really racist and it doesn't necessarily recognize all the different beauty standards. And it, it really helped me paint my own recovery journey and I, I feel like that's what was most healing. And I feel like that's what everybody needs. They need space to figure out what it means for them, their personal food and body story in the context of their family culture, their greater culture. Mm -hmm. So um, what's your background? Like what, what's, yeah. your, what's your family culture? Yeah, so culture? my family is from India. So like um, there is also this really big process for me being born here where in my household, it was seen as, I guess, the norm to try to assimilate. And they wouldn't really say that, yeah, we're trying to assimilate. They just would say, like, this is what people do. Mm. And so trying to be thinner, if that's what other people were doing, it was, yeah, it was just like dieting seemed very much the norm in my household. Like from the time I was young, I saw my parents doing that and talking about it. 
mm. and holding space for like it, it it's hard to go against the grain in a lot of ways like when people first come here and so to go against the grain and like be fat and say yeah like I'm fat and I'm fat positive is something that I know yeah like it's just it goes against my family culture and I'm with that like like there yeah. are some things I want to embrace and some things I don't totally and so this is one of those parts what's um Indian culture like in terms of beauty standards and in terms of body size and and also if you don't mind I'm curious what your parents and your familial line of like of bodies look like yeah oh good question so hmm it's tough because for a lot of people that are Indian that are living in the States, you sort of have like two beauty ideals. You have what's acceptable here in the States. Then you have like what's acceptable and promoted back home. Mm. And so sort of like what the thin ideal is back home is much thinner. And so people like I'm, I'm thinking like when I, when I was younger, I wasn't fat. So I was like in what we call like a straight size body. I was, I don't know, like probably like a size 10 or 12 and I was still considered too big Mm -hmm. in like Indian culture but then for people that come here there's this conflict of feeling like you're stuck between these both worlds both like in other ways outside of bodies and Mm -hmm. then also in how you feel pressure to look and perform so that's tough and I know for my family oh gosh I feel like a lot of the folks in my family are kind of like straight size like but on the larger sides of it so Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily fat not necessarily thin and all feel like they need to be more on the thin side and that mm-hmm. being thin is better. And so I feel like it just puts a lot of pressure to try to change your body. So it, it almost feels like food becomes this like formula that you can manipulate and control to try to be more acceptable in society. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get to experience freedom or joy with food that's like, I don't know, like, like less tethered or just more exploratory. Yeah. Wow. It's always interesting how weight stigma varies from like culture to culture, country to country. Yeah. And then it's like in the US there's just seems to be this common thread of like thin is better. Yeah, but it's also I mean as a as an immigrant you touched on these things like just trying to assimilate, trying to assimilate mm-hmm. and how much of yourself do you have to give up to assimilate? Right. Is like kind of the bigger question or the, the bigger story that I hear you kind of saying. And like in every aspect of your life, everybody's telling you this. And I guess I bring that up because like for you, what I just heard was like, it's so radical for you to be like, I love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and yeah, oh that's awesome. That's so dope and Thank brave. <laughs> so while when you were in school to become a dietitian, do you prefer nutritionist or dietitian? I forget. Either what the is fine. Yeah. Okay. Dietitian, I feel like seems so old school to me. It's like you go to a dietitian to go on a diet. That's <laughs> so know. funny. The, like the most people don't know the difference. Like to be a dietitian, you have to have like go through the schooling process and everything. Nutritionist doesn't have, I guess, like any requirements. Like you can say right now, oh, I'm a nutritionist mm. and nobody can really fact check it. Uh, yeah, but but I agree. The term dietitian sounds very old school. Like, and like wax. Um, <laughs> yeah, like for us, if you say like a beautician, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like it's very old. What, what is this? Yeah, I think there's something about that issue, like <laughs> yes, phonetically. Yes. It just sounds yes. very old school. I can imagine like old people talking, and nothing <laughs> yeah. wrong with being old. Don't get me wrong, but I think it also holds these older ideas that we don't hold on to anymore. Totally. So you know, okay, this is totally off topic, but I think that our generation our generation's version of that is if I everything becomes if I'd yes. Shopify yeah. Spotify mm-hmm. 
bumblefied. No, but everything's fine. <laughs> That's a really good like, point. But I think like in that time is because everything was a technician that you kind of just add ishin at the end of it and, and suddenly it it's a legit. career and now it's a new career. <laughs> oh it's my so gosh, interesting. So you're not a hairdresser, yeah. you're a beautician. beautician. I've, I've, I had someone call me a beautician recently oh, and they me. were 65 plus. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> I called myself a beautician recently. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm a beautician, sure. But also, um, I don't, I, hearing also what you're speaking of and I guess, yes, because the times have changed, it's like, it's counterintuitive because it. I would think that a nutritionist is kind of more trustworthy than a dietitian because I would think a mm-hmm. dietitian is trying to sell me a diet. And a nutritionist, oh, well, now course. we're talking about nutrition. Well, now you right. know, oh, the body, okay, let's go. It's very new. It's very ified. Now we're educating <laughs> the people. Yeah. It's very ified. This is definitely helpful info I can pass to my marketing team, number one. Number yeah. two. <laughs> <laughs> number two, yeah, no, I agree with that completely. A lot of people don't realize there is a difference. Yeah. And I don't think that, like, going through the schooling process makes someone like totally better you know like there's still a lot of terrible providers causing harm out there totally so was it when you were in school that you really formed kind of what your all of your beliefs were surrounding food and dieting or was it once you were practicing that you really formed all of that Oh, yeah. You know, this is what I think dif- makes me different from other people that do this work is I formed these beliefs before starting school. And so going into school, I knew that I'm not going to be learning the approach that I want to learn. And I, I had to go into it really remembering that, like, this program is influenced by white supremacy and all these other harmful systems. And, yeah, so I think it just made me look at the program with more of a critical eye. Mm. Interesting. And you stood, you, like, stood your stance. Mm. Like, all through uh, school, yeah. you were like, nope, not ever <laughs> <Yeah>. doing that. <laughs> right, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, right. they did not at all persuade, like, persuade me to a different route there. Yeah. How did you find the recovery team that eventually helped you to form these, your new, the values that you stand on now? And mm-hmm. also, what were some of the, the different like what was the tool what were the tools because like unlearning is very 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 difficult we're Mm -hmm. all in the process of unlearning right now and you like I said like you have this quote-unquote radical idea to go against your culture and the you know American culture and really come take this niche group this niche idea which is now like grown obviously and go with it so like what did that how did you find those people and like what did that look like Yeah. So it was actually through word of mouth. I wasn't big on social media. Like I I deleted all my personal social media accounts many years ago. And, but like at that time, I I feel like if I was on social media, it actually probably would have been helpful for me to get connected to like the, I guess like more radical eating disorder recovery community. So yeah. And then after I found the team, it was helpful And I also, like, it made me realize that, hey, like, I was just, like, trusting this team. And I felt like there were things that were off, but I didn't necessarily trust myself because I knew I was working through my own stuff. And it made me realize that I had to really trust myself and my internal wisdom, my lived experience, trust my gut. And even with that team, like, there were things I taught them in areas that they wanted to grow and they were receptive to my feedback. And... Yeah, like since then, I feel like it set me up for this much more recovered life because Mm. it taught me that I really can listen to what I know I need. And that's what I try to really urge my clients to consider. Like, I'm not the expert on their bodies and nobody should tell them that they are. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. Totally. 
I really wanted to talk about weight stigma within healthcare and how you've seen it affect probably clients of yours. And I don't know, just kind of what can we do to just understand because speaking of like old school shit I mean Mm -hmm. I think the way that doctors probably a lot of doctors look at weight is very old school Mm -hmm. in the mindset of like oh your BMI is high so that's you know that's it you're gonna have all these health problems you better lose weight or even like culturally like you were saying you know about being a brown woman and like you know Mm -hmm. people a lot of people who aren't just like white men go to the doctor and they immediately get stigmatized because of the way that they look but specifically weight as Alex was just saying and like racially and I'm sure that mm-hmm. you've dealt with that and a lot of your clients have oh yeah absolutely like there are a few issues I see like one is the really common theme of people avoiding health care because they're treated terribly from their providers so they like will live with these symptoms for so long out of fear that the doctor is just going to blame their weight or they'll go and then things will be misdiagnosed or they won't really like check things well. And when I work with folks with eating disorders, it's even harder. Like I've had a doctor say to a client once like, oh, well, you really don't look like you have an eating disorder. Oh my God. Yeah, this is someone who was really struggling, who was nervous to go to the doctor. And I had to really encourage them to oh. go to get labs done for their eating disorder. And this is just like one of many things that doctors say when they really don't get it. Mm-hmm. So I... I don't know, like, I feel like there is this ego issue, not with all physicians, but I I feel like society does necessarily, they kind of like bow down to physicians and don't necessarily check them on their stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's this huge spot of things that they're missing in their work that's really affecting quality of care. We're seeing that fat folks are less likely to receive gynecological and colorectal cancer screenings. And so that, like, we see that, we see physicians, like in the research, we see physicians report feeling annoyed with fat people, Mm -hmm. would rather not care for them at all. This Mm -hmm. is like as per their report. Mm -hmm. And it really has this trickle down effect on like how fat people actually have like their health outcomes Mm -hmm. and nobody talks about it. So it's a really pervasive issue. And even the research, like we've only really seen the research on this, like in the last 10 years, if I'm being generous, 10, Mm -hmm. 12 years, the fat activists have been saying this since like the 50s and 60s, right. but nobody has been t- listening. Well, I think also for a lot of doctors, it's probably easy, right? Oh, you have that mm-hmm. problem. It's your weight. You, mm-hmm. you have to lose right. weight and then yeah. it'll be fine instead of, I don't know, doing some fucking blood work, <laughs> Yeah, looking at the whole body instead of, you know. It seems really frustrating. What are, that's what I was going to say. Like, what are some of the things that doctors, like, what are some of the examples, I guess, of, like, I've heard people talk about this, but I kind of want to, like, spell it out for the listeners so that they understand what yeah. it is that we're talking about. Like, some examples of people going to the doctor mm-hmm. for X and hearing Y. <laughs> like, do you have any solid examples of that, that besides, oh like, my gosh. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, let's see, like somebody going to the doctor because they have an earache and the doctor like tells them like sort of like makes a joke about their body or says something Mm. really inappropriate about like how much they weigh. Mm. There's that. Like I see that so often. I'm trying to think of some others. I know one of my clients, she went to the doctor for a physical, even though she was really nervous and she went and the doctor literally told her that there's no point for me to run labs. I can tell that you're unhealthy. Oh my just God. Just by looking at you. Oh my God. And she didn't go to a doctor for several, several years after. It was oh my when God. she saw me, I helped her get connected to someone. But yeah, 
Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's so and these funny. are just like a couple of stories. I'm trying to think of if I have any other. Well, I mean, it's just like completely like de- dehumanizing and just like, why am I and, even and like, not what, paying what's a, the point? Right. And not paying attention yeah. to the fact that, was it with Erica we had talked about just kind of how, you know, your lineage makes up who mm-hmm. you are, what you, what maybe what you look like. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just really fucked up mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah. a doctor to also just like write someone off like oh, i'm not even gonna do anything right. for you well, also and it's like yeah thin people are sick too do you know what i mean like what what that doesn't mean anything of course i'm unhealthy dude i'm here because i want you to tell me like something like how to get healthy yes i know i'm unhealthy my ear hurts so fix that right. first how about that like what, exactly. why are you talking about this other thing it doesn't it's just so yeah. beyond it's really disgusting Be- yeah i have a friend who actually had she went to a new doctor and kind of let her doctor know she didn't want to discuss any weight stuff. And the doctor mm-hmm. was so respectful, mm-hmm. you know, Great. told her she could turn around when she weighed her. She didn't have to look mm-hmm. at the scale and Great. didn't discuss any, was just really respectful. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. There are definitely some doctors open to learning more. I think it's something where like, I don't, I don't know where they're um, doing like their continuing education or how to get in even like in their training, but it's just, they're learning so much, but they're not learning about this, mm-hmm. but they're learning all this other fat phobic stuff. You need to go train them. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> that should be a thing because I, I don't know. I think of my um, pediatrician when I was young was very old and was, I mean, I didn't know the word fat phobic then, but I know it now. And I wasn't, I don't know that I was a fat child, but maybe I wasn't the smallest and I definitely mm-hmm. grew really fast at one point and was just had like an awkward kind of body like most people do going through puberty. But I remember him saying I need to lose that I needed to lose weight. And I mm-hmm. it was around the time I got my periods. Maybe I was 10, mm-hmm. you know, and what do you know? High school came around and I had an eating disorder or some mm-hmm. sort of some form of disordered eating. And it's like, what the what? <laughs> Yeah. You're going to talk to a 10-year-old about their weight? Mm-hmm. That just doesn't exactly. seem normal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't tell you how many people, like, at our intake sessions, when I ask about their history, they have a story very similar to that, or the first time that they're scolded about their weight, or the first time they really feel like it's a quote-unquote issue is because the pediatrician said something like that. Mm. So what does it look like to go to your practice because you're probably virtual by now so there's probably no physical place yeah I'm mostly virtual right now but yeah so uh, gosh like my first session is kind of fun because I get to hear more about like each person's relationship with food and body and sort of how it's changed throughout their life how connected they feel to their hunger and fullness cues maybe some eating behaviors and also like to discuss what they want to be different like areas that they maybe feel unsure about what mm-hmm. foods they like and don't like, want to have more about, um, want to have more foods and yeah, all that good stuff. And then from there, like my work is really based in nutrition counseling. Mm-hmm. So it's really collaborative. It's really, you know, it's not just me saying do this or do that. Like we talk about food and there's some nutrition education and there's also like discussing what else is coming up. Like if they're struggling to make peace with say ice cream, like how are you feeling in your body when having it? oh gosh like are you are you feeling like um you're enjoying it or does it just feel like because it's so forbidden you're just sort of having the ice cream and don't really get to taste it Mm -hmm. because that's kind of tough right like everybody wants to taste their ice cream but it's yeah it gets so much harder when um when diet culture 
comes in there and makes it harder to have fun with food. For totally. sure. Um, when we had Alyssa on, we had talked to her kind of about how the body reacts to the way that your brain is thinking, you know, like oh, yeah. kind of getting on yourself like, oh, I ate like that today. Well, tomorrow I won't. And how that can actually like mess with maybe even your metabolism or just, you know, how your body's working as a whole. And it makes so much sense. It's like, yeah, you're, everything's connected. Oh yeah. That's so connected. And if you're going to think shitty thoughts about yourself, it's not going to help. Yeah. I'm curious what food was like for you growing up because you said that you grew up in a household where your family was always, you know, talking about their bodies and trying to be thinner, but you also come from mm -hmm. a culture where food is very different. Um, and so I'm curious, like what, I guess what food meant to you, like I know, you know, it means different things to different people, obviously. In black culture, food is like, if you come to my house and I offer you food and you say no, it's like, what, did I offend you? Like, why, why aren't you eating? What do you mean? Right. So I'm curious, like, what your cult, like, culturally, how do you look at food? And what was it like in your home? Like, did you, yeah, yeah, just tell us about that, if you don't mind. Oh, gosh. I mean, I have, like, good food memories, bad food memories. <laughs> but, like, when I think of me as a kid, I really think of, I was a kid in the 90s and the early 2000s. Cool and there was, like, a lot of what do you say? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like, there were like Still a lot of random low fat foods. Like I, yeah, it's just, it's a funny thing in that way. So I feel like there were a lot of diet foods at my house. And also like, similarly to what you said, like when people come over or when you go to someone's house, you always take the food no matter what, like that's a time where your diet rules really need to stay on the back burner. Mm. And so a lot of Indian people and some other cultures too, feel like they're stuck because these same elders that will like critique their bodies or gossip about people's bodies will be the ones offering you food and seconds. And if you say no, they're like, what's wrong with you? And so you, yeah. you just feel this like, confusing what the pressure. Yeah. Like yeah. you feel this confusing pressure to both diet and to like eat all their food. And yeah. So it's like, there's almost a lot of more performative eating at times. And oh, that, interesting. Yeah. 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 Wait, yeah. tell us more about performative eating. A lot of times it's um, like having, maybe try to control others' perceptions of you. And that kind of determines what you eat, how much you eat. So in this instance, it can be taking all these seconds, even because you really don't want them. It could be like for a lot of fat people, there's like the quote unquote good fatty trope of like having a salad in front of people because they're going to assume you're unhealthy. And so eating in a really performative way, say in front of your coworkers, I hear that a lot. Mm. Uh, let's see. Yeah. You know, even for folks that are not fat, like in, especially like some more corporate work environments, there can just be more judgment around food. So you feel like you need to hide your, um, whatever food is sort right. of seen as off limits. Mm -hmm. Shit. I guess I kind of, eat performatively if I'm at a nicer restaurant because I feel like I need to finish everything mm. I don't know what that is but because I feel like I'll look like a dick who's wasting mm. food Our if money. it's something where you're getting multiple courses you know if it's one mm -hmm. plate then I'm just gonna take home the leftovers you know it's is that weird that's really weird <laughs> that I feel like I no, need to make sure something... I finish it or I feel judged that I'm someone who is a food waster or you're a money waster like, don't get the wrong idea about me. I don't actually have that much money. This is a special occasion. No, but everything comes from somewhere, which is why, like, talking about this is so interesting. It's probably something that your parents did when you were a kid. They were just Maybe, like, yeah. yeah, we came here and, like, look, we're eating out. We don't eat out that often. And well, my parents were very plate. much so, like, you finish the food on your plate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So maybe yeah. I definitely, even when I cook at home, even if I'm full, I'm just like, well, the food's on my plate. 
mm. what you're doing. Oh, you're supposed, to, do. you're supposed to eat it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Never so then this it. is where like I'll ask people like, how are we defining food waste? Is it because it's going in the trash that it's waste? Is it that like if we're just not feeling good but we're eating it because we feel obligated to? Is that also waste? Mm. It's like I don't know. Like it's it's hard yeah. to know, and I I don't think there's a universal answer for all circumstances. Like if my grandma offers me seconds, I'm probably gonna say yes to a degree, yes. <laughs> like, even yes. if I don't always watch you. Yeah, and and there are times where it's really important to listen to your body and have those boundaries. And so that's where like there's not a universal answer. But if you find that you're not liking how you feel after a meal, like you're feeling a bit uncomfortable or you want to explore what it means to set that boundary, it can be something fun to be curious about. Even think back to like when I was in high school and was dealing with some disordered eating, if I were eating with someone else like a friend I would always watch how much they were eating I'm like oh I shouldn't eat more than them then I just look like oh she's eating so much but then also felt like let me not eat less than them because then they'll know that something's up Mm. weird Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking I'm just remembering this now yeah yes oh my gosh that's so common like using sort of those more external guidelines for what's appropriate at that setting like not enjoying and that person might very well be just listening to their body like that's their internal cue mm-hmm. yeah for sure it's it's really interesting yeah man food i'm learning more and more about the way that people view all the difficulties i guess that people have with food yeah i mean i it's think a, it's also, a lot to think about yeah and we've talked about mm-hmm. this before but um being a kid in the 90s when like fat-free diets were all the rage i mean i'm sure we all have some sort of like little bit of fucked upness in the way that we eat if, if our parents were doing the fat-free diet craze because i know oh, my mom was yeah you know and having to like also unlearn about like eating fat and how it's not bad when you were taught your entire mm-hmm. childhood it was bad well it's like these words it's like Good, these bad bi- yeah oh. exactly these binary mm. words that don't mean anything that drive yeah. me crazy my boyfriend does this all the time he's like oh that's unhealthy i'm like what is healthy why because there's salt on it that's unhealthy right. That's like, no, that's not true. One, I can't even get into it. (laughs) You can tell this is an argument that we have. But it makes me, it's very frustrating because we are all lied to (laughs) from like the moment we were in, if you're an American, the fucking food pyramid. It's just bullshit. Oh my gosh. That's made up. You know, I used to look at that shit. So we need to all eat bread. We need to have bread as the most. <laughs> the most food what a, and just like the little bit of fucking Did Nabisco food. make that? Like, yes. which company made that? Legit, yes. It's sponsored, of course, because this is America yeah. and so it was made by the fucking industry that wanted us to all eat grain. Do you know what I mean? And corn mm. and starch. Like, yes, 100%, dude. And that's what mm. makes me so mad. And so, and then, so we're going by like this food pyramid and then this bullshit binary of good or bad. Mm-hmm. And none of it makes any sense because it's like, science is like science but it is or it's just how you feel but in terms of like things being good or bad it's what makes your body run what makes you work not like first good of all, or bad salads can be great for some people for me at certain times of the day it makes me shit my pants and guess so, what yeah, there sure. is chemistry dude and also <laughs> TMI. I'm so mad. I was going to the next thing without laughing at that first. That was great. <laughs> and this is, yeah, I feel like those labels of this is unhealthy or this is healthy. 
I think looking at the 90s, like, it's just so funny to look back at. And, like, in 20, 30 years, people are going to be looking back at these times and be like, LOL, these people and their kale salads. Like, it's just something something where we have to really put it in perspective. Yeah, totally. For sure. I Okay, I'm having a quick flashback. I was, like, at a pub-type setting, and I was with friends. (laughs) And one of my guy friends – oh, I ordered, um, like, a Greek salad, I think. And and we had some other foods on the table. And my guy friend was like, there's so much feta cheese on there. It's probably the same calories as just getting the meatball sub. Just get that. And I was like, I actually wasn't thinking calories. I was thinking I need some fucking greens because I haven't had greens in a few days. Mm-hmm. And I know it makes mm-hmm. me feel good. And I'm going to eat the feta I because I like feta because it's salty. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't really like meatballs, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> but just like, obviously his mentality of like. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The conversation of like, oh, does this have more or less calories to like, oh, what do you want? What's going to help you feel better? Yeah. Are you in the mood for a little bit of a crunch? Are you in the mood for something that's mm-hmm. like maybe more chewy or whatever, like a meatball sub? Like, it's just a really different eating experience totally. and it's okay to hold space for both. I agree. Yeah. I think in Chinese culture, the the way they talk about food is more in texture. They've got all these different mm. textures. And like slimy is one of the textures, which is why we look at some things we're like, oh, what is that? And like, oh, this is a delicious delicacy. But uh, like, that's so yeah. interesting. You're exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. And like my stoner ass will always think about food like this. I want something <laughs> salty and crunchy or like sweet <laughs> or, and whatever. But, yeah. but it's also like a privilege to not have I, I'm privileged in that that isn't my mental health issue I've got other mental health mm-hmm. issues food ain't one of them <laughs> but it's like it's I don't know it's it's fun to think of food that way and it makes it more interesting and it opens up the world besides mm-hmm. just like good or bad and the other thing that I wanted to say because this is what I was yelling at my boyfriend about when he was like oh it has salt salt is bad salt is a fucking element that makes chemistry happen in shit you add salt <laughs> with some baking soda and some baking powder shit happens or you add it it's not bad you and, need and salt you everybody need needs salt you need fat yeah. you need you need these things yeah. what's that show called acid fat salt and heat that's what you need to yeah. create flavor people that's what those oh, are yeah. the things that we need it's true so if you just start Absolutely. cutting out salt and fat and okay, all you have is go acid enjoy and your heat, life because it's gonna suck go have your hot lemon and enjoy yourself <laughs> just kidding do what you want to do <laughs> That is the funniest thing. Oh, my gosh. I guess also what we're saying is, like, our culture is so built around cutting things out and eating only what's healthy instead of, like, enjoying your life. And, yes, Yes. if something bothers you or doesn't make you feel good, which is exactly what you're saying and what Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of your practice is, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that can come with a lot of time and working with someone like you. And, you know, I feel – Honestly, I feel I'm 33 and I think that I feel my best in my body. I mean, I think a lot of that comes also with getting older and just I'm no longer trying to get rid of my cellulite because it's just a part of me (laughs) or, you know, enjoying foods, but also, yeah, enjoying eating vegetables (laughs) because Mm -hmm. afterwards I feel great or it makes me poop and I, you know, have (laughs) talking so much about my poop, but I have issues with constipation. You know what I mean? Things like this, like kind of knowing what your body needs and sometimes it needs you know, chocolate chip cookies and that's okay. Whereas like there was a time in my life where I would never have food like that in my apartment. Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah. You know, I didn't trust myself. I would, right. you know, Yeah. but now that I guess I have a better relationship and it still creeps back for sure, mm-hmm. especially like thinking about it now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
Yeah, I really, I really feel for people who like it's so hard to get out of because it must be really hard. You must meet some people who like for years and years have been trying to get out of this like fucked up cycle. Yeah, dude. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there are lots of folks in that place, and a lot of people that don't know there's an alternative. So it's, I mean, I'm so glad you're talking about this today, just so people can hear that there are other options. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like sometimes the light at the tunnel can look like what you've described, like building your own sort of food culture for your kitchen or for your life, knowing you want to have cookies around or knowing that having too much salad, like gives you, I don't know, diarrhea or something. <laughs> like, it's, like it's just something where everybody is so unique and they have yes. their unique needs and flavors and food quirks. And it can be a fun way to get to know yourself yeah. and to, sort of have this fun at the end of this tougher healing mm-hmm. it's true i learned recently that if i drink two martinis and have pizza not a good idea <laughs> i heard about it for good. a week i heard about it for a whole week <laughs> <laughs> i have a sensitive stomach can you tell but um, i don't listen to anything i'm just like that's fine i'll still but do, but I'll you know you want to know something you guys want to know something as if they don't know what i'm about to you say you want to know this drives me crazy because the more i learn about this and the more I see how much people, how much people can't win, how much this gets in your mind that you have to change your body so much that there's no winning and how fucking exhausting that is and how much fucking mental space that takes up. So you've got no fucking time to look at the real issues that are going on. Oh, yeah. And it drives me fucking crazy. It's all part of the system, people. They know. They know. They're like, here she goes yeah. about the patriarchy again. Here we go, people. Right? But it and drives it, me crazy. Yeah. It drives me fucking I, crazy. I uh, agree. And, I, like, it's just there's something to be said about how much it can affect someone's entire life mm-hmm. from, yeah, like, every th- decision that they make, what they decide to do with their life, who they think that they are and how they should show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So I'm glad that there are people, I'm so glad that there are people like you who had this experience, this terrible, difficult experience, and then had a great experience and want to, you know, give that to other people, people, spend the rest of their life giving that to people. And exactly what you said, showing that there's another option. And the reason I was asking what your practice looks like is because honestly, like I said before, the idea of going to a nutritionist and a dietitian is all very new to me. And even though we're having these conversations and talking about how it's not always about losing weight, I honestly thought like, well, what does it look like for a fat person to go to a dietitian? Honestly, Mm. right? Like, what does it really look like? And you just taught me so much. It looks like getting healthy. It looks like somebody saying, I'm happy with my weight, but there's something else that's missing. And I want to do something to take back control of my life so that I can live longer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's so much more to food and body than trying to like manipulate the way our body looks totally. or control how others are perceiving us. Yes. I think that's yeah. also what I've realized as I've gotten older that I, I eat things to feel good. I mean, I don't know. In my twenties, it was just like, I was drinking a lot. I probably never felt very good. But that probably felt good too for the time. But yeah, right? yeah. a cheeseburger yeah. does feel good. mentally appropriate yeah. for you, right? Totally. Like, yeah. Teens and twenties, people are exploring in a lot of ways outside of food too. Mm-hmm. And so it's important sure. to let people have that. Yeah. Like, you know, back then if I were hungover, I'd go eat greasy food, which I think actually made me feel worse. So now when I'm hungover, I'm like, girl, think, think about what makes you feel good. Cause that will probably make you feel good right now. Eat some eggs. <laughs> you know and and it works still for me it does <laughs> um but yeah I guess it's just being more in tune and also just like being more of an adult and needing to have a day I can't just lay in bed yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so I'm like yeah. oh shit but 
do a lot of people, do a lot of your clients come to you from um, nutritionists or dietitians who are more like classical in their approach and they're kind of coming to you after like seeing people. Okay. I've mentioned this before. I think we'll meet Alyssa on and I had a client who was super sweet, really liked her. Um, She was getting married and she was like, you know, I've gained some weight in the last couple of years and I really would like to go back to my old weight for my wedding and um, no judgment. And she started seeing this nutritionist who put her on a diet that was basically like lots of greens, lots of protein. And then at night she had a choice between some Cheerios or a glass of wine. And I thought it was the strangest protocol. That is so interesting. I'm like, obviously the choice is wine. But <laughs> the fuck there's Cheerios? Also, like, there's something really interesting about Cheerios versus wine and like what they each could represent mm-hmm. like for women or for people. But yeah, that's very interesting. It was really strange. Did she lose the weight? Yes. But what was she eating before? I don't know. She looked, you know, I thought she looked great either way. I think she... I get it. She had started dating her now husband and kind of wanted to look like what she looked like when she first met him. And I can see how that can be symbolic to someone for their wedding. I don't really know. I ate a cheeseburger the night before my wedding. I was just like, I tried on my dress and I was like, it still fits. I can eat a cheeseburger. But I think that's another fucked up part of body stuff with women is wedding time. I think that people get so caught up and you do literally have a dress that you need to fucking fit you. But where's the line that shouldn't be crossed when it comes to that you know and it's like I don't know it's sad I think it's sad it's like this happy day and so much of it is taken over by just like how you look and of course you want to be beautiful it's your wedding day but just to go on this extreme diet you know of like you can't even have a a little dessert at night if you wanted it oh yeah you can but it has to be fucking Cheerios right (laughs) yeah you know for a lot of people I've had so many people say the days or months before their wedding were some of their worst days and Mm. toughest memories and it's really sad because you don't want it to be that that's the case like this is your life and it's a special time like ending your single days in some ways and yeah yeah it is really sad so many things we go through I know wait what was that somehow all come back to like how we feel about our bodies (laughs) It's nuts. I wonder if the way that you practice your, it, the way that you do things in your practice will one day be the norm for nutrition. I, I honestly think a lot, like it is becoming more mainstream now, which makes me really excited. A lot of dietitians that are just sort of like telling people to eat Cheerios, they feel bored too with the work. Like they're not feeling satisfied. I'm sure. You know, it's dehumanizing for the provider too. And it's, yeah, I, I think a lot of people are ready for some change. That's true. And I guess too, if you're like a part of a practice where like, no, this is what we do. It's just like, mm-hmm. well, the goal is to have this person lose weight because that's what they're paying me for. So yeah, I'll tell you how. And it's this very restrictive way. And it just seems... I don't know. I just remember thinking in my head, like, there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. So is that is that your goal for your clients, I guess? Like, do people come to you wanting to lose weight? Or do people generally come to you wanting to – or what are what are most of the goals? Or if they're not all similar, how, what are the different goals? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think just from my branding, like, I really don't get a lot of people looking, like, looking for weight loss when they reach out to me. It's usually more like, how do I do like this whole health thing without restricting food and mm-hmm. also like wanting to feel good? Yeah. So it's that's a lot. That's a really common one, like outside of the eating disorder recovery stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I, yeah, like every now and then I get someone who is 
who's like, oh, well, I wouldn't mind losing a few pounds. And I always say, like, I don't know how your body will look or change after, like, intuitive eating, but Mm -hmm. are there some other things you want? Like, do you want to feel more pleasure and comfort when eating food? Or do you want to, let's see, I don't know, just enjoy moving your body more? Are those Mm -hmm. some other goals that feel accessible? Yeah. It makes sense that people need you to learn how to eat based on what we were just talking about. Like, that's one of those things that seems very intuitive, but it's not. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't learn how to eat until I moved out of my parents' house and came to college. And it was because I wasn't happy with my body, but I didn't know how to change it aside from exactly all the things that we're talking about, because that's all that people say, go on a diet, just stop eating. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn how, like, yeah, I had to learn how to eat. I don't even know. Mm -hmm. I guess I figured it out intuitively somehow. And walking in New York, like figuring out, you know, the routine that makes my body look the best. But it's like nobody teaches you how to eat. They just teach you how to not eat. So it does not surprise me that people have to come to you to just be be like, I just want to be healthy. I don't feel great and I want to feel great. How do I do that? Very much so. And thank God that you do that, honestly, because, you know, I'm a, a, a vitamin pusher. I'm like to the T because I swear that when I started taking like the many vitamins that I now take, it was like seeing in color for the first time. Oh, and yeah. I didn't realize like, like you know, like that it, my, and sometimes people are like, I take vitamins and I don't feel a difference. And I'm like, either you're not taking the wrong one, the right ones, either your vitamins are full of fucking dandelion, nothing, or <laughs> it's not what your body needs because, because <laughs> yeah. I feel fantastic. And I'll tell you something, when I don't take it, a bitch is sleepy. I'm like, why can't I just keep my eyes open? What's happening? Deficient. We're just eating Deficient. tuna melts all you day. You know what I mean? <laughs> we need but to supplement but, something. But it's like, I see this on TikTok a lot, you know, I see like, are you, are you depressed or are you maybe vitamin deficient? And it's not that it's just, you know, this like, oh, throw away your Prozac, take some vitamin D, but it's mm-hmm. more so you might need both. It might right. be the two of them. It might be that your body needs something that you're not getting because nobody fucking taught you how to eat. Mm-hmm. Everybody go see Kimmy and learn how to eat, please. <laughs> it's like life is better. Life is just better. It's please like, put the hot lemons down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm dead. Yeah. yeah, I think real quick, I just want to say I follow this one nutritionist on Instagram, and it's interesting because she does seem to have an approach, or, or at first it seemed, and I started following her because it seemed like she had an approach of just like, you know, eating well, like kind of eating from the, whatever that means to you. But mm-hmm. I know for me, I like to eat things that come from the earth. For me, it just seems like I'm not going to question this thing. It, it, <laughs> it was able to grow in this earth naturally. I'm going to eat it. I've always been big into vegetables, whatever. And she had like nice photos that looked cheery. So I started following her (laughs) and she kind of claims like, I'm helping you make a lifestyle change. This isn't a diet, but no, it is a diet and Mm. it's restrictive because you're not really eating grains or you're eating very few grains. And I, it just annoyed the shit out of me. I'm like, don't let people think that that's just like a lifestyle change. I see people calling out. Things for oh, Alyssa's Alyssa is always calling people out yeah, on Instagram. I, see her and I love Noom it right now, which I think is very oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. but it's... nobody wants to admit that they're a diet right now. It's like, I mean, it's not the same, but I feel like it's similar to like nobody wanting to admit that they're racist. Yes, <laughs> just because they don't like the word yeah. and like, yeah, what yeah. the idea that they have. It, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I, I, I follow. I forget who she is. Maybe she's a professional surfer, I think, on Instagram. But I guess someone had she had like put up one of those things like ask me anything. And someone had asked, like, oh, could you do like an like what you eat in a day? And she was just like, People have asked me for this before, but like I choose not to. I don't think it's healthy to just like mm. 
look at what someone else eats because you that's awesome. like how they look whatever it was and i so yeah. fucking respected her that's for awesome. it that's so great that's yeah. fantastic yeah, yeah and come to find out like she's dealt with some food issues in her past and mm-hmm. yeah well, i thought that was really yeah. cool the lie is that what you it, that is it's all what you eat that everything everything we're talking about the way that you look the way that you feel it's like when clients yeah. ask what my skincare routine is because my skin looks great. Yeah. And it's like it's 50% my skincare routine and 50% what my family gave me. And 50% you know? what your skin needs. Totally. Her skin might not need what your skin needs. Yeah, I feel like yeah. it's so similar. And it's like things are not, I don't know. Things aren't uniform. Things aren't yeah. just mono anything. Everybody is different. Every Literally everybody needs different things. And like, look, it can't be true in capitalism that everybody needs different things. It's too hard to sell. Oh, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? So it's easier to just loop to make everything binary. Good or bad, that black or it. white, all this shit. And exactly. Oh, I want to say one more thing. So about that nutritionist <laughs> is that she posted, I guess, like a message she got from a client. And the client had been on vacation. And she was like, oh, I can't wait to get back to my regular eating, like the way that you have me eat, because I really cheated a lot on vacation, whatever it was, or indulged a lot. And she was like, but I was so happy when I got home. I'd only gained 1.4 pounds. And I felt triggered by it because yeah. I was just like, this woman, and of course it's a diet. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I, yeah. it just. Whenever really... there's an on the wagon, off the wagon, that's another like yeah. sign. And honestly, yeah. the way that I read this, and maybe it's just because I'm a very overly sensitive person, but I read it as like, this poor woman seems so anxious right now, is having mm-hmm. so much anxiety because she went on vacation, she indulged, she gained a little weight, and she can't wait to get back on track because she doesn't want to, blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how I read oh, it. Yeah. I'm a little yeah. dramatic. Oh, absolutely. But... Yeah, yeah. Will you just tell oh. us um, where everybody can go to find all of your information, how we can support you? the instagrams the websites all the places yes definitely if you either want to work with me or you want me to speak to at your office or yeah or if you want to learn more about this work you can find me at bodypositivedietitian.com and yeah i think that's probably the best way like i'm not super active on social media right now but yeah awesome love that Hi. Oh, hey. <laughs> hope you enjoyed our chat with Kimmy. I hope that if maybe you've been looking for a way to calm your disordered eating or you really feel like you need to talk to someone about an eating disorder you've been battling that maybe Kimmy gave you a little insight on how you can help help yourself. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just like listening to it because you like listening to struggles that other people deal with because yeah. it's important to know what your peers are dealing with, right? Totally. Also, I know that um, this is something that a lot of people really struggle with and I kind of start to make jokes regarding <laughs> eating a hot lemon, etc. But I do hope that there's room for people to look at food in this really incredible way for just like texture, taste, crunch, you know, I don't know. It's just the culture surrounding it. You know, we've really honed in sort of on like this food as just like nutrition, energy, whatever, but it's so much greater than that. It's so much more than that. And to just whittle it down to this one aspect is so I don't know. It's not doing it justice. It's not doing food justice. It's not doing you justice. And so 
you know, I hope one is that you weren't offended by my joke. I apologize if you're offended. But two is I hope that maybe this, you know, lends you a way to start looking at things in a different way. Maybe. Mm. I like that. Yeah. Anyway, we you know you where guys. to. F- we love you. Uh, you know where to find us if you'd like to send us an email. Yeah, we want to hear from you. TrueBeautyBrooklynPodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you're on Instagram, you can follow us at True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. Oh my God, you could also find us. Well, you could find me at um, the. I was gonna say the real Debbie Allen. That's not me. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm the brown Elizabeth Forgot Taylor. The brown oh, close. <laughs> you don't want to follow my personal Instagram. Yes, they do. I see some of you following me, and it just puts pressure on me to post stuff, but I still don't post stuff. <laughs> They like it. They like it. Um, my handle's Alex Lindley, A L I X L Y N L E Y. Lindley is my middle name. If you were wondering, they knew. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't sure, but it's I funny. Assumed. Wait, I forget who it was. I think he got an invitation, maybe to a wedding. But on it, because I did not take Kyle's name mm-hmm. when we got married, I kept my maiden name, but. They wrote Kyle's first and last name, and then instead of Alex Shapiro, they put Alex Lindley. And I was like, oh, we don't know each other very well. (laughs) But we're definitely Instagram friends, and they thought that that was my last name. I thought it was hilarious. That's so hilarious. That's so funny. We once got an invitation recently that was addressed to my partner and guest. And I said, oh, and guest, bitch, you don't know me. It's been 13 years. And guest. We're not coming. We ain't coming. (laughs) RSVP, no. No, the fuck we are not coming. No, the fuck we ain't. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe that needs to be a rule. Like, if you don't know. Petty, uh, so we're petty. very petty. Yeah, they we're know. starting it. I was like, this is going to be a rule. If you don't <laughs> acknowledge me or spell my name right, I'm not coming. Oh, it's so good. Any other petty people out there, write in. Yeah, let us know about your pettiness. Ooh, tell us stories of pettiness. Tell yeah. us stories of spite and pettiness. <laughs> Only if they're funny and nobody got hurt. <laughs> yeah. I Elizabeth and I, if one of us is being petty... The really great thing would be that the other person would be like, you know, you know, like kind of. Yeah, no, we hype each other up. Yeah. I'm like, and what about this time? (laughs) It's so bad, but it's so good. It feels good because it feels good. And then eventually one of us will start to be like, you know what? That was a little much. Let's bring this down a little much. Like, God, you should have burned down their house. That was a little too far. I know. I should have agreed to that. (laughs) God. Yes, Um, tell us tales of pettiness between you and your friend. What, What dangerous circumstances did you two get each other in because one of you couldn't calm the other down and instead you just hyped each other up again as long as nobody got hurt (laughs) yeah tell us all the stories um but i think that's it that's it guys we love you see you next time see See on the flip side haven't said that in a long time (laughs) also rate review subscribe we love you bye bye this has been a coc bk production produced by us Elizabeth Taylor and Alex Shapiro. Our engineer is Bart Tripoli. Our theme music composer is Zebra Sonic. Our artwork is by Garrett Ross. Our photos, hair, and makeup are by Sabrina and Joe Holdsworth. If you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com slash ads. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.